Um, I hit the wall. I put my truck in reverse. Like two seconds later, I got rocked, like a big explosion. Oh. All right. Welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast, the podcast with strong opinions about things that we may or may not know too much about. Don't know crap about. Boom. That's something we do know about. Yes, yes. Uh, drinking. And yes. our opinions. Good at drinking beer. And drunk opinions. <laughs> but, hey, we're here to broaden perspectives. And we're here with Albert from San Antonio. And you may know him. Alberto. He is the proud husband of Norteño 210, who we just recently had. Cheers to her. Cheers to her. Cheers to her. I haven't opened up my drink, but here's a drink drink. That was a fun podcast. If you want to listen to that, uh, go check it out. It's somewhere up here. And now you recently opened up or started your military city air conditioning and heating company. But with that said, sit back, buckle up, and let's go. Too hard, too fast. Boom. Don't drink and drive. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast, where Worm and Hornhead ask me questions, figure stuff out, check us out. Hell yeah. Check us out. Check out Worm's OnlyFans page, too. Yeah. Boom. The podcast of the century. It's the look. Hey, so Alberto, well, uh, how do you want us to call you, bro? Alberto, Albert, Berto? Albert's good. Albert? All right, yeah. man. Why, uh, is it because of uh, English or Spanish or? Spanish, yeah. I'm not really good at Spanish. That's well. That's cool. Yeah, neither neither are <laughs> so Well, I suck at both Spanish and English, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and I speak a little bit of German. I suck at that too, bro. So, so. Oh, yeah. He actually <laughs> don't have a he, language. He, he speaks better German than he does English or Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it's been warm. My heart is like Eventually, as we get uh, longer into this podcast, this episode, he'll start speaking in cursive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so try to figure me. that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, bro, um, so we, let's mention you're our first guest for 2021, man. Congratulations. Hey, I didn't know that. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the news. Yeah. Thank you for coming off this bro, As a reward, you're going to see me drunk. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, <laughs> me man. Too. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you don't let us down and uh, you get drunk. Well, here, Lewis, cheers to uh, 2021, our first guest. 2021. Happy cheers. New Year's. Yeah, happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. 2021, our first guest. That's right. So, Albert, bro, uh, I just want to know. Um, so, as you know, I'm still wearing my mask. I want to keep drinking, bro. Rona, dude, who knows? They don't. They, it could transmit in so many different ways. <laughs> You're good, right? You're not I'm sick? good, yeah. I wiped my phone down before the meeting. <laughs> All right, that's good, bro. All right, I just want to make sure, bro. Are you okay? Hold on, with- hold, on hold on. Let me oh, clean yeah. mine. Hold All on. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay with me off my mask, bro? Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead and take it off. All I right. want to see your. <coughs> oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> all right, bro. All right, drink it up, Worm. You said you were going to finish that bottle of this podcast. Just for Albert, man. Yes, yes. 21 guests. Hey, Albert, what, uh, what were you telling us earlier, bro, about the IDs now, now that we hit 2021? Oh, yeah. So I saw a video uh, on TikTok how they're explaining like waiters and bartenders and uh, they're going to have it a little bit easier on telling how old you are or if you're above the age of tw- drinking age 21 is if your driver's license has 19 whatever then that means you're old as hell and you can drink. <laughs> <laughs> Dang dude you know what I never thought that's true huh? dude it's because so I have a, a, a well, I was going to say a cousin. It, she's my second cousin because my cousin's kid. But whatever. She's my cousin. She was born in 2000. I keep thinking she's like 10, 12 years old. But she's like, come on, dude. It's like, 21 already, yeah. Yeah, I got little cousins like that, too. I'm like, what? what? How old are you? I know. Why are you driving? Like, what? What? <laughs> Aren't you still in middle school? But Yeah, yeah. And time flies for, for us old people, I guess, dude. It's like, yeah, it's oh. true. I recently went to HEB to buy some stuff, some drink, drink. You know how, you, like, if you do the self-checkout, you scan the alcohol, and then it comes up that somebody needs to come and say, like, yeah, yeah. okay. I, usually, 
I'll scan it and I'll look around for that person. And that person can be like doing something, be like not even looking at what's going on and they're doing something. And yeah. all of a sudden they just go, and they come <laughs> to you. It's like, how, does, how do they know? Do they have a thing in their ear? I don't know. She's hey, coming ahead. and I'm thinking, okay, she's gonna check for my ID. So I always pull it out, my wallet <laughs> and my ID. <laughs> And I pull that I, out I sometimes. Show, <laughs> I show it to her, and she does this move. That's small. Like, oh, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that quick, it. just like, like, you didn't even, I don't. I bet you didn't even find the date, and it's okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know where the date is on my driver's license, so yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's our driver license. We still have to look for it. I wonder nowadays if it's easier to get away with buying alcohol or getting into a bar well, not right now. Bars are closed, but yeah, yeah. buying alcohol because the mask, take ID oh, because yeah. you're wearing a mask. Oh yeah, for and, sure. Because yeah, it's it, like, actually, I had one. It just happened once where someone said, "Oh, do you mind taking off your mask so I could just verify your ID?" Really? I guess yeah. So I mean, that opened, and that was at HEB, but that only happened once. I wonder. Well, I was wondering that because now that everything's getting or still crazy. For ask, asking someone to take off your mask is like, well, I'm exposing myself now. Like, <laughs> oh, I can no. give you something. You can give me something, or you can figure out that I have a fake ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be, I'd be using that and abusing that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, because in college, we did have a friend that had a fake ID. And yeah. I don't think he looked anything like um, the ID. I'm thinking what? now with the mask, especially you have the mask, and then you have a hat. And all you yep. see is the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, in college, I was able to get away buying beer without an ID in El Hueso. In El Hueso. Oh, yeah, there was a store. There's always a sketchy store. We did. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows what store to go to. Right? What are you drinking, bro? What are you drinking? I'm actually drinking uh, a bourbon, bourbon whiskey. Dang. America Bourbon. America. It's a veteran-owned uh, small company. Okay, uh, nice. And it's a veteran-owned American-made. So basically, uh, there's other bourbons that are actually owned by overseas companies. So they're really proud on being American-made and American-owned and veterans. So yeah, so I, I wanted to support them and try it out. It's pretty cool. I'm they're, liking it. They're local? San Antonio or no no, no I think they're I forgot where they're at honestly um, but no they're not they're not from Texas uh, but the um, the owner is a, a, a Marine veteran as well oh nice yeah. oh and then we have, haven't we're gonna get to that you're a Marine as well that's why you're proud of that right yes exactly yep nice that's awesome um, okay full disclosure you know I follow you we follow each other yeah uh, yeah you're are you you're somehow associated with them right with uh yeah yeah so um they had a kind of like an open call for um ambassadors so uh brand reps i guess you would call it or ambassadors um so i i hit them hit them up and the cool thing is that they i like how they set it up they're like we don't care how many followers you have we don't care if you have five followers or you know, 20,000 followers. We just care that you will like genuinely try it, be honest about it, and post about it. And that's all I ask. And, uh, another reason to buy a bottle. So I can't complain. <laughs> and that's a cool hat too, man. I like I like the hat. Like oh, yeah, yeah. They, they sent me some merch, uh, and they sent me a, a promo code and all that. So, yeah. Nice. Pretty cool. Well, hey, well, what, what's your, what is the promo code? Like, is this um, for your discount or, or you get something from it? Um, I think, yeah, I think I get a little kickback, but um, there's a link on um, my Instagram page, which is SergeantGadBod210, um, and there's a link on my bio right there. So if anybody's interested and they want to check it out, they want to read about the company, hey, go for it. But Albert, I guarantee you this, bro, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some, and then when I get it, we're, we want you back on. So yeah, cool? let's do it. All right, man. Let's do it. Then I'll get drunk again. Yes. Because then I'll tell you what I really think about. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know what? I know it's. I know you're associated with them. You, it's one of your favorite drinks. Uh, but we still want to give 
uh, too hard, too fast rating on it from yeah, 1.0 to 2. Yeah. Go ahead and give us your too hard, too fast rating on it based on the label, the taste, and the alcohol content. Obviously, it's a bourbon, so it's high. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the price. So what was the scale again? I'm sorry. <laughs> from 1.0 1. to 2. Okay. So using decimals. Or, or should we give them an example? Too hard, too fast. Should we give them an example that we have some time to think about it? Yeah, let's do it. Do your sure. wine. All right. Well, this is a common wine. Common wine. Just, uh, just your typical uh, STE wine. All right. So this is actually my go-to. What is STE wine? I've been drinking it since college. It's my go-to. Yeah, man. I like it. You know why? Because let me see. Just to make sure. I think it's 12% alcohol. Shoot. I lost it. Yeah, wine is strong. All right, yeah, really, but it, 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 it's made in Fort Stockton, Texas, so I like that it's local. Twelve percent alcohol, dude. It, and yes, it's a little bit strong. It's just the regular red. There's a sweet one, but I like the the dry red one. And uh, man, six bucks, seven bucks. Yeah. To me, yeah, this is, it's my go-to. I like it a lot. Um, I give it, and I know it's a little bit high. So based on okay, the label's all right. So eh, it's all right. But based <laughs> on the alcohol content and the price. Uh, George is going to disagree, but that's okay. It's going to be a, my rating's going to be a little high, but I give it a 1.71. 1. What? 7. No, 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 no. Scratch that off the table. Mother, no, no. You see, Dude, I told no. you, Albert, it's he trash. does this all the time. Hey, Albert believes in the First Amendment. I believe in the First <laughs> Amendment. Freedom of speech, all right? I have the, I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm entitled to be wrong, okay? I don't care what you think, bro. How's the hangover, though? <laughs> How's what? How's the hangover? Oh, that's horrible. That that, that makes it go down to a one point three, but but while I'm drinking it, it's a good one point seven because I feel like man, I didn't spend that much. Yeah, yeah. Job done. The taste is okay, you know what I mean. But uh, maybe because I'm used to it. And uh, after the first glass, you're good. Yeah, yeah. All right. There's nothing wrong with trash wine. Trash wine. I, I'm down with yeah, trash wine. It's not trash. They used it at church, right? It's value. I'm Catholic, and they use this wine sometimes. <laughs> but no, very quick. I just want to say that George retracted a rating in the past, and I'm very upset about that. But okay, go ahead, George. We can talk about that later. But I did. Uh, all right. So now that you know. Yeah. Okay. So a label. Hey, how you can't go wrong with America. You can't America. Go wrong America. <laughs> and those wings. What kind of wings are those? They almost look like red wings. I think those oh, are they're barley. not wings at all. Yeah. Nice, man. Shoot. I like the label. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, label, uh, alcohol content is 45%. Uh, it was pretty good. Normally, it's kind of like all the other ones I've seen are around 40. So, this was 45. 40. It's pretty good. Nice. Um, the taste is, I like it. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not a connoisseur. I haven't tried out all these other ones, but um, it goes down smooth. I add, I don't know if you can tell, but I add uh, some orange slices in there. Oh, nice. And that kind of just helps it get, have a good flavor with it. Um, price, it's 25 bucks. I think not for, bad. Dang. Yeah, veteran owned, like I said earlier. I'll give it a, um, let's see. Let's see. Hmm. I'll give it a 1.8. Nice. I'll accept it for a lot of reasons. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, you're a Marine. It's Marine owned, American made. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the price is real good, too. Price is, price good. is good. Alcohol, good. Price like is good. Alcohol. I, was surprised. Dude, I was surprised because I thought you were going to say 40%. Because in my head, I was thinking, oh, typical 40%. So yeah, 45%. Yeah. That's, not, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, good. My dad's a Marine, so that oh, helps yeah. it. Yeah, man. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I'm a very proud uh, son. That's a good – I'm 100% agree with your rating. No matter <laughs> what. Even when I taste it. I'll Thank you for your blessing. Uh, yeah, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, you don't want his blessing, bro. <laughs> George, you have a beer? I have a beer today. You guys are drinking harder than me, but – I went to the store and I saw this and I couldn't pass it up. Albert and I are the only ones going too hard, too fast, bro. But it's going hard. <laughs> hey, hey, I got my other drink drink in here. You know, I always get stick with my vodka, but that's cheap vodka and it doesn't deserve a review at all. 
Uh, but and there's what some cheap that? vodkas that are good. But this is a Carbach Brew Sanity. Okay. And it's a eight point five percent alcohol. Wow, that's pretty good. The only thing that kind of threw me off is that it says like right here it says insanely delicious, and then again it says insanely delicious, and it's like oh, I feel like sometimes what. Yeah, when you put it too much, it may not be delicious. <laughs> it's not open, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Eight point five golden strong ale. Are they are they brewed here in San Antonio? Houston, I believe. Yeah, Carbock. Isn't there a Carbock uh, chat room or something here in San Antonio? Or no? Oh, I don't know. There might be. I, thought, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but I know Carbock oh. is very popular here in San Antonio because we're so yeah, yeah. close. Yeah, I was just telling Worm earlier before you got on that um, we've done way too many Carbox. So Carbox, come on, hit us up. But <laughs> right. we did we did do a Carbox actually with Norteño to ten, your wife. Oh really? Uh, we did a Carbox. Sorry, it wasn't it wasn't a high rating. <laughs> <laughs> so let's try this one. Let's see what he... let's see if the beer's delicious. Insanely delicious. Is it an IPA lager or what is it? It's a, ooh, it's an ale. I don't know what oh. the golden strong means. If that's just a gimmick or if that's an actual oh. thing, but it's an mm -hmm. ale. Dude, actually, this is not bad at all. This is way better than that. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> Looks like it's a stout, but you said it's in them. Is this ale? What would you compare it to? Case it is one. dark. Compare it to uh, like a Shiner Block or Ziegenbach. Initially, like a Shiner, but then oh, Ziegenbach is a thing. But I, I love there's Ziegenbach. a there's yeah, a there's a like a, a aftertaste that I can't pinpoint. It's a little it's a little weird, but not bad. The label is pretty cool. Don't care for the insanely delicious part. It kind of almost threw me off. 8.5 is awesome. It's uh for a six pack, it was about nine bucks, so that's not bad at all. One point seven three. That's too high, bro. That's too high. No. <laughs> One point seven three. I haven't tried it, so I don't agree. Until I you tried it. You were waiting it. for that, weren't you, Worm? You were waiting for that. One point seven three. I would if I knew of a store that has this, I would drive to it. And that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Too. <laughs> Here we go, and then we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to storm wherever you're recounting. <laughs> yeah. I might have to cut that out. I don't know. Too soon. Yeah, forget, no, forget your votes. <laughs> <laughs> Find the votes. <laughs> come on, Carbach. I know, right? Yeah. Sponsor, your, sponsor your podcast. Carbach, come on, Carbach. I've drank plenty of it for you. <laughs> but one point seven three. I think that's a good one. So 1.0 to 1.3, it's like if it's there, somebody already bought it for you, you're going to drink yeah. it. Yeah. 1.4 to 1.6, if you see it at the store, you're going to buy it. Right. 1.7 to 1.9, you don't mind driving to the store that has it. Okay. If you get that too, that too hard too fast, you're going to drive to the store that has it, drive to the city that has it, and then you're going to stay there because you're going to go to <laughs> So that's what those ratings mean. And I think we both hit them. We all hit them. It's pretty spot on, especially when we're inside 1.3 for the wine. Hell yeah. Have you guys tried uh, John Julio 1942? Too no, rich for my blood. That, that <laughs> no, tall bottle. So I've heard of it. I've never, I've never had it. I got my wife the bottle, I got her the bottle for her birthday, oh, and uh, it's really good. I was surprised. It is pricey, uh, but it's yeah. kind of like one of those things like I, I want to try it once at least, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a smooth tequila. Yeah, it's one of those like uh, I got a promotion. I don't know if you can afford it, Worm. <laughs> I got a promotion or uh, a wedding gift or something uh Special occasion type thing, but yeah. Oh, oh, so it's not just for me to be selfish and just get drunk. I mean, you can if you're if you're living <laughs> that life. You're getting paid like that good money. Shoot, I guess I'll have to sacrifice not drinking some wines for a couple <laughs> weeks and pick up a side hustle. Yeah, there we go. Pick up a side hustle. So only fans maybe or hey, we'll do it. We'll do it when too hard, too fast hits like those 
subscriber milestones, those listenership yeah. milestones. Yeah, there you go. So we'll do it celebrate for that. for that. There you go. 100 subscribers, please subscribe. There you go. <laughs> hey, Elmer, more, uh, huh? Somos pocos, pero locos. Pero locos. <laughs> Hey, Albert, right, let's get into Albert's let's, story. Yeah, let's get into your life, bro. Let's, uh, let's hear more about you, bro. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, high school and um, military, when did you join? All that stuff, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, San Antonio, born and raised. Um, my family is from the east side of San Antonio. So, like, New Braunfels, Geevers, Hayes, Street, all that uh, over there on the east side. Um, my father passed away when I was two months old, mm. um, on the east, in the east side, uh, community. And, um, my mom, after that, a few years later, we moved out of the east side. We moved to the northeast area, um, by Jackson middle school. Um, uh, but every weekend, every summer, I always went back to the east side. That's where my family is at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I, I love it there. Um, it, a lot of people hate on it, you know, or they, they call it really rough, but I, just like the west side or south side, if you mind your business, you're not messing with anybody, they're not going to mess with you, you know. So, I mean, I, I love the east side. So that's where I'm, uh, I grew up at pretty much. Um, yeah, and that's that's true, too. That's true. Like, mind your business. Yeah, mind, mind your business. <laughs> don't be stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, you know, don't mess with what I've got going on over here. I'm not going to mess with what you got going on over there. And be friendly, uh, like I really like. I think, like, be friendly. Like, you befriend somebody next to you, your neighbor. They're gonna yeah. look out for you. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you think of them or what they look like, they're gonna look out for you. Damn. Yes, definitely. See, so I mind I my like business, it. but I'll have a hard time not acting stupid. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wow. see, uh, I went to high school at Lee High School at that point. Okay, nice. Um, I did. Um, my mother to be honest, uh, had an issue with alcohol. So when I was like an early teenager, uh, I have an older sister and a younger sister and a brother. Um, but it was me and my older sister that were living with my mom at the time. I was about 13, 14. My sister was about 15, 16. Um, and my mom just came home drunk one night and she's like, y'all need to leave. So she kicked us out. Um, we weren't bad kids, like A's and B's. Good kids, not into, not in the streets, not in the drugs, nothing crazy. Like we weren't bad. Like, um, but she just was, you know, going through her own stuff, I guess you'd call it. And um, so, at the age of fourteen, we, I was basically homeless, and we went from friends to family to friends, and kind of just bouncing around. Um, so, did you guys, did you guys stick together, or were you guys separated while you um, guys were? At first, we were together. Um, and then we went to one of my uncle's house for a little while. And then when I turned 15, uh, well, when I went to high school, when I was a freshman in high school, um, I became friends with a senior in high school and he had his own apartment. Oh, wow. So I was like, Hey man, let me rent your couch. Basically. Uh, I'll go get a job and I will pay you rent just to sleep on your couch. You know what I mean? Cause I was tired of the commute from where I was at. And by this point I felt like I was, uh, I had to grow up real quick. We had to grow up real quick. So I wanted to like just get out there and like be in charge of myself. So, Hey, I'll get a job. I'll, I'll pay whatever I need to pay. Uh, and luckily he let me, uh, he let me, uh, rent the apartment. So at the age of 15, basically I was 15, 16. I was on my own already. Well, what was your job? If you don't mind me. Um, my first job was Marie Callier's. I was a bus oh, okay. boy at Marie Callier's. I don't know if y'all remember that. Um, and then they're still around. That, they're still around somewhere. I, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think um, I've ever eaten there. I know my wife probably has, but I don't think I've ever. Yeah, it was over there by that dealership that has Native American. Oh uh, yeah. You don't know about that that Native American statue? Yeah, like huge, huge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, there's, there's no way it's still there by now, right? Or no, it's still there. And it has, it's, still it's still there. there. <laughs> it has fur jersey, but you know, like. If you look at it a certain way, it looks like it has a penis. No, I don't know. <laughs> really? So if you're That's driving awesome. the can, and you're it's looking big. at the statue, right? Wait, wait. Hold on, say that again. If you're driving where? On 410. So it's off of 410. So you, you drive past it, and you have to look back at it. Well, the statue, his hand is down, 
So his thumb is on his side. And if you look at the right angle, it looks like his penis. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm just going to do that. Like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't wreck your car, but try and kick <laughs> <Yeah>. it off. <laughs> just stop in the freeway to look at it and then go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was I worked there for a little while. And then my next job as a teenager was Tom Bribbs. I don't know if y'all remember that. Uh, it was off of 410 Advanced Jackson. Oh, it's also, we're, we're not originally from San Antonio. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It was a barbecue joint, um, and I started as a dishwasher. I worked all my way up to cook uh, and stayed in high school and paying bills and got my own apartment, all that stuff. Damn, man. So I graduated from Lee High School. Um, I was really good at auto mechanics, so I got a small scholarship to uh, a technical college in Houston, wow. uh, UTI. And um, so I wait, I, wait, I mean, wait, I wait, nothing. wait. Did yeah. you just call it UTI? Yeah, Universal Technical Institute, something like that. Urinary tract infection. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Is that, was that a joke? It was like <laughs> when you were there. No, uh, I don't. Rem- I don't think so. I don't remember. It should have been though. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. Like, uh, here's that's funny. I just thought of like as soon as you said it. The answer, <laughs> We came to San Antonio. We went to college to Our Lady of the Lake. When we right. got there, we were called the Armadillos. But uh, eventually, the name got changed to the Saints because too many people were calling us the Armadildos. Uh, <laughs> and so apparently, apparently it was too offensive. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I'm always thinking of like, ah. Names with <laughs> how stuff works out. Like I, I didn't even know you. I know STI. I didn't know <laughs> UTI. <laughs> but anyways, Albert, don't listen to this guy, bro. Don't don't let him interrupt you, bro. Just it's say George. Good, good. Good. Hey, so, so so you got a you got a small scholarship. Uh, I got a small Houston? scholarship. I moved to Houston. I didn't have obviously I was already on my own, so yeah. I didn't have any obligations here in San Antonio. So I was like, I'm I'm move. I don't care. This was right after high school, so you were 18. Right after high school, so I moved to Houston. And uh, I started technical college. I was really good at it, 4.0 GPA. Well, my scholarship ran out. And uh, so they called me into the office. They said, hey, you didn't fill out your FAFSA form. We need your uh, parents' information, mm-hmm. your parents' tax information. And um, in order to fill out your FAFSA form so you can have your uh, you know, tuition, I said, well, that might be a little difficult. I haven't talked to my mom in years. Uh, or and she's a, she was a bartender and I think she got paid on the table, so you know what I mean. So yeah, basically what they told me is like you have a week to get this information, or else we gotta withdraw you from school. Damn. So sure, I went back. Called, I tried to get a hold of her. I got a hold of her, but she didn't respond after that. Um, so I I got withdrawn from school uh, from tech college there. So that sucked, but um, I stayed in Houston for a little bit. I was struggling. Like I had a job, but paying for gas and paying rent, I was like, "What am I doing?" So I came back Dude, to San Antonio. That, that blows my mind. Just to like, uh, I'm gonna interrupt you, but yeah, yeah, it's like that. Like that blows my mind. Like imagine, like okay, four Obviously, this kid, you, yeah, uh, wants to make something for himself of himself. Yep. Um, and is trying, but just because he can't pay, because you want him to pay, like ridiculous amounts of money that he can't do with a second job right. or a first job or right. anything. Yeah. Right. But yeah. if you just put this kid through college or give him another scholarship, figure something out, he's eventually going to become a positive figure in the community right. that pays taxes but they wouldn't even like, money to pay taxes. Yeah, but they wouldn't even like sign me up for a loan or a school loan or, or government yeah, loan. You know what well, I mean? They're like, no, yeah, because there has to be because of the FAFSA, which Right, it's so stupid on its own. All right, all right, hold on. Okay, so I'm glad George interrupted though, because I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you, so I'm glad George did it. Anyway, <laughs> so I mean, I, I've been I've been working in uh, higher ed or in, in universities for several years, right? So I did work in financial aid. So if anyone knows, if uh, you know, in case anyone needs this, so it's a shame that they did that because um, when you do your FAFSA, so if, yeah, if you're under the age of 24. Uh, typically, um, you do need your parents' information. Right. However, though, if there are circumstances where you were homeless by uh, and but you see, uh, I don't know if you talked to a high school counselor at that time and they're aware so of that. So what they told me at the time, uh, 
the, what the lady at the college told me, she was like, the only way you can do it without your mom is that if you were legally emancipated by the court. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wasn't, I, I was just get out of my house and I lived on my own. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> you know I mean? uh, maybe maybe it's changed over the years, but usually yeah, there's something called a special circumstance. So, you yeah, know, people out there, if they know someone in this situation, contact George or Two Are Too Fast. I'll give you more information. But oh, yeah. um, but no, I, I, maybe maybe it was different back then. But at least now, so there's something called a special circumstance. So yeah, emancipation, or if you were homeless by high school. Um, but also, um, it, it's uh, it's actually. Um, the director of financial aid, he could override all that. And just if you provide documentation, he could easily be uh, basically vouch for you and say, no, I approve this. And then they'll be able to process everything for the FAFSA. So you could get that. So it's a shame that they didn't even go to that extent. They just uh, do it or you don't. So that it being a technical college, I think they were more of like a for-profit type thing. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? So they didn't really care about all that. It's all about numbers, getting people in, getting people out. Yeah, that's a shame. But, hey, everything happened for a reason, so I'm not bitter about it. You know what I mean? But, hey, like like you said, if anybody's out there listening, hey, reach out. Nowadays, there's a lot of options. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are trying to help. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Let's get back. Okay, let's anyways, get back to the stores. This oh, is what yeah, You're in Houston, bro. So they they did that. That's shameful. So in, I'm in Houston, and I remember my breaking point in Houston. I was, uh, I was leaving work. I worked at AutoZone in Houston, and I had an old school car. I had a 1974 Nova, mm. and uh, I remember, like, my breaking point was, I ran out of gas because I had no more money. So I had to push my car, this old tank, down the road to the gas station. I walked to the pawn shop down the street. I pawned, I think I had a ring or something on me. Um, and I pawned the ring and I put gas in it. And I was like, okay, I think this is pretty, I think this is my sign to get out of here. Um, so I came back to San Antonio. Um, I transferred AutoZone. So I ended up working at AutoZone here in San Antonio. I got another job. I was a mechanic as well. Um, I was doing like oil changes for a small shop, mom and pop shop, uh, oil changes, tune-ups, you know, I was young, I was only 18, 19. So, um, I started making money because I had two jobs and, um, honestly, I started spending my money on the wrong stuff and I started drinking. I started hanging out with uh, some friends that weren't, weren't good for me or whatever. And, uh, I started getting, I saw myself getting into a lifestyle that, Either I'm going to stay that way or I'm going to have to make a decision and, and do something about it. So um, I decided to join the Marine Corps at that point. Um, I was an ROTC in, in high school, and the, the Marine recruiter, uh, I always thought, I like the Marines. They seem badass. They're, they're really cool. They seem tough. Uh, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all the way, basically, what my mindset was. So I always thought the Marine Corps was awesome. So I always told myself, if I do join the military, that's the one I'm going to pick. Oh, yeah. uh, and the recruiters are, are they're pretty pushy. If you're in ROTC, they're, they're pretty pushy because they know that you already kind of have that mindset. But I told him, I said, look, if you ask me or bother me again, I'm not going. Like, I'm never going to call you if I need you. So he left me alone. So I kept his number. I called him back. I said, like, hey, I'm ready. He's like, all right, let's go. So uh, I think a, a week later, I shipped out. So that was uh, May... 2006 is when I left. You don't mind. Hold on right there. Hold on right there. Warm, what were you doing May 2006? I was in high school. You're in high school? I was in high school. I was finishing my freshman year in college. Okay, okay. So, dang. I thought you were going to be doing something stupid. That's why I asked you. Yeah, that's what I thought you were. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was getting drunk for sure. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> With Mickey's, so, by the way, that was a okay. drink in high school. MD twenty twenty, yeah. MD twenty twenty. All right, May two thousand six. You shipped out. What was that? Yeah. What did you feel? What were you feeling like? Were you feeling relief, or were you feeling like nervous? Well, how old were you though? Were you like nineteen or twenty? I was nineteen at the time. Nineteen. Oh, okay, still. Young. I wasn't nervous. Um, I wasn't nervous until I got there. <laughs> were you in like, good shape before you went? Uh, I was, it was decent. I was decent. I wasn't, you know, um, 
Yeah, I wasn't a decent fan. I was, I was an ROTC and all that stuff, but um, but yeah, I w- it wasn't bad. That physical part of it wasn't bad, but um, going into it, I knew what I was doing. I knew why I was doing. Like, um, I was like, you know what? This is only gonna, you know, it's only gonna better my life no matter what. You know? Uh, I was like, I want to do something badass now. Like, I want to be somebody. I want to, I want to go over the overseas. I want to do something cool. Um, I want to wear that uniform. So um, I get it, and no regrets. Uh, one of the best decisions of my life. So, where, where were you stationed, and uh, what was your favorite place that you were? So well, after, yeah, after boot camp, right? So yeah, after boot camp. So uh, after boot camp, after uh, my job training, basically. So my job in the Marine Corps was a, a mechanic as well. So I was good at it. I had good scores on my ASVAB, so I, I could basically pick whatever I wanted. And I was like, well, I'm a random mechanic, so I might as well keep doing what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they asked you like a wish list of where you would like to get stationed. In no way, shape, or form is that a guarantee. But if it's open, they might they might let you go there. So my first wish list was Okinawa, Japan. I think I put California, and I think I put Texas. Um, and luckily, I got why, Okinawa. Why did Why did you? Why Why was your first one Okinawa, Japan? I wanted the experience. I wanted to get away. I mean, if it, like I said, like if I'm gonna do something, I want to go all the way out. Like I don't want to be like, oh, I'm in, but I'm here. Like no, I want to yeah. go all the way. I want to travel the world. I want to learn something. So um, yeah, Okinawa. Um, so I got shipped to Okinawa. That was awesome. I loved right. Okinawa. Uh, it's probably that was the best part of my Marine Corps career. Uh, Okinawa, not not just Okinawa itself, but the unit I was with, the guys that uh, I met there, and we deployed to Iraq from Okinawa. Mm. Um, that deployment, I learned a lot about myself. Uh, you know, uh, learned a lot about uh, war, <laughs> basically. And uh, so I actually got my first unit was a reconnaissance unit. So I guess to break it down, it's kind of like comparable to like a special forces unit. Uh, they're not like a regular grunt unit. They're a little bit more, uh, more of a special task force. Uh, they have um, jobs that are a little bit more uh, invasive and, uh, you know, so, but still, I'm still a mechanic. So um, I got lucky when we went to Iraq and I was good at what I did. I was good at my job. So the recon Marines, they said, you know, we're going to pick three mechanics to go out with us on our missions. Um, you have to be good at you, what you do. So they picked me to go out with them. So uh, in Iraq, we shipped to Iraq. I think that was 07, 08 area, uh, time frame. I went to Iraq. Um, so in Iraq, our mission was uh, reconnaissance. Uh, so our job was to go and clear certain regions of Iraq. Um, so we have, you know, we went from house to house and, you know, we're getting the adult male name, uh, you know, writing all that stuff down, taking all that information, scanning the adult male, uh, so that making sure that there wasn't any, uh, high profile targets that are hiding out somewhere, um, making sure that they didn't have any bomb making material. Uh, they were allowed one weapon for their family protection and that's it. So if they had anything above that or arsenal or uh, anything that, they can make bombs out of, we compensated and we basically interrogate them and figure out, Hey, what, what's going on? Why do you have this uh, type stuff? So that was our job in Iraq. Uh, again, I'm still a mechanic. So these are all, you know, Marines, uh, infantry Marines that are trained to do that. And I'm, I'm there on a mission uh, with them. So we would go on missions about uh, 30 day, 20 to 30 day mission. So, we would go out for 20 days and then come back to our main base, resupply, do all that, and then we'd go out for another 20 or 30 days. Uh, so that was kind of like the, the process there. You're still like, because I, I felt like you were kind of playing it down, saying I'm, I'm just a mechanic, and then yeah. the other Marines, the infantry we're Marines. right in the middle. Like, you're still in the middle. Like, what is no, that yeah, feeling? I, mean, like- I guess the reason why I say that is because I, I have a lot of respect for those Marines um, because they are – the definition of a warfighter, like you know, what I mean, like they—that is their—they're trained 24/7. I was trained to work on vehicles, and also Marine. Every Marine's a rifleman, you know. I was trained that way as well. Um, 
So my mission for them was to make sure that their vehicles were up to par so that they, mm-hmm. they can complete their mission. You know, everybody's on the same team. You know what I mean? So yeah. they, they respected me. I respected them. And that's why I kind of just differentiate. I want to make people aware that that respect is still there inside the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. uh, as well as other, I know, you know, people give each other uh, crap about Air Force, Navy. We, we pick on each other, right? But yeah. when it comes to it, down to it, we're all on the same team in Iraq, Afghanistan. We all know who, you know, we know what we're doing. And uh, so uh, in Iraq, um, it got crazy. I'm not going to lie. Um, there was uh, one event in particular. Um, it was it was on a mission. We were doing what I've talked about. We were clearing houses. So um, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, we would bunker up. So we would basically make 10 vehicles into a circle, mm. and we would camp for the night and then plan the next day where we're going. So we were about to circle up and camp out, but we have one more house to clear. All right, let's go hit that house on the hill, and then we're going to camp out. Well, we split up. There's two houses, so we split up. Like We have five vehicles went to this house, and five vehicles went to the other house. Um, and then once we did that, um, the other team that was on the other house, they started receiving uh, gunfire. So the team that I was with, we U-turn, and we're like, all right, we, we got to go that way. We got to go you know, figure out what's going on. Uh, well, to find out, it was about 14 insurgents that were bunkered up into this one little shack, basically. Okay. So when, when our Marines were stacked on the house, and – and every house we, we did, uh, it's relatable to what you see the SWAT team do, where they line up against the wall and then they, they kind of go in quick. That's basically what we did on every house. So when they did that, the first Marine went in and the whole team went in, they were ambushed. Uh-huh. Um, so our, uh, we tried to get everybody out, but we still were, one Marine was short. He was in the house. So we couldn't just leave or retreat or whatever. Yeah. So we had to stay there and, you know, get our Marine out and figure out what's going on. So we were uh, fighting back and shooting at the house and there's grenades going off and stuff going on. It's crazy. Um, but it, we realized um, that our rounds weren't going through the house. So uh, there was tracer rounds like every so often in your round. So the tracers would stick to the wall. So our rounds weren't going through the wall. So we realized that Somehow they reinforced his mud hut, and uh, we weren't getting anywhere by shooting at the house. So my gunnery sergeant at the time, uh, uh, his last name was Blant, uh, Robert Blanton, um, he was like, hey, Gonzo, my last name is Gonzalez, so he's like, hey, Gonzo, you ready to earn your paycheck? Uh, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. So the truck I was driving is an armored-up supply truck. Mm. So it had tons of armor. It had a big attachment on the front. So he was like, what I want you to do is we're going to call ceasefire on our side and you're going to hit the building, collapse the wall to expose these guys. That way we can figure out where our Marine is. We can figure out, you know, continue the fight. So I was like, hey, let's do it. So I I got my truck ready and uh, we called ceasefire with a radio. Uh, I hit the wall. Uh, I remember, you know, grenades going off. You can hear round stuff. This is a fully armored truck, though. So I wasn't really worried about that stuff yet. Um, I hit the wall. I put my truck in reverse. Like two seconds later, I got rocked, like a big explosion. I'm like, dang. So I would say I was out for about 20 to 30 seconds. I was like dizzy. Start Kind of like a, a lot of people will compare it to video games. Like if you play Call of Duty, like it's sl- everything slows down. Uh, you hear the beep, like yeah. you hear all that. It's yeah. real, like everything. It's, well, they call it fog of war. It's like a fog. Like everything slows down. It's weird. Um, all the adrenaline that's pumping. You know what I mean? So um, I come through. My gunny was like, "Hey, shaking me. Hey, guns, are you all right? We're good." Well, the truck was dead. I couldn't move anymore. So basically, we had to get out because we're basically in the middle of everything now. Our guys are surrounding us. They had our backs, but we're in the middle of it now. So we had to exit the vehicle and kind of just maneuver out. Well, I remember getting out. I remember slipping, getting out. We uh, we joined a team. We clear out. Long story short, we ended up, uh, that Marine ended up uh, passing away. Um, 
So, but we took over the, the scenario. We we did we have what we had to do. Uh, we got him out of there. We took our, our wounded Marines out. We got them uh, flown out. Uh, so we had to camp that that night. We had to camp right next to it because we had to do like an after action report. We had to. I had to assess all the vehicles that got damaged because I was a mechanic. I was going to fix them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that night, that's when it really hit me uh, because. We were kind of, you know, the Marines were talking about what happened, and uh, one of the Marines said, hey, Gonzo, like, that guy, like, almost got in your truck. I said, what? He's like, yeah, you didn't know? I was like, no, what? He's like, when you hit that wall, a guy came out of the house with a suicide vest and climbed on your door and was trying to open your door. And that was a big explosion that happened that rocked me. That's what it was. I thought it was a grenade or something. that. Yeah, wow, dude. Oh, but yeah, it was actual uh, a guy with a suicide vest climbed on my door. Was trying to open my door. Wow. So, um, and the Marines that were behind me, the recon Marines, basically did what they had to do to stop him, and he ended up uh, blowing up. So when wow. I when I got out of the vehicle, I slipped, and that was uh, blood basically. I didn't know that at the time. So I'm I'm taking all this in. I'm like, like what? Like, you know, like like I said when when um. When it, everything's happening, it's happening in slow motion, all this adrenaline, you don't think about it. You're just kind of like, what do I have to do to like get out of here alive, basically? And uh, that happened, and that was definitely the, uh, the biggest part of my, my life and Marine Corps hit, like, career. That was like, all right, this is, one, I felt like I was doing something. Two, I felt somebody was watching over me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, um, I... I learned a lot about myself and, and about the Marine Corps and about the war. So, yeah. Dude, well, well, in that case, that's what I was trying to get at. I was like, you downplaying it. And I think, you know, knowing from my dad, my grandpa, they were military. Uh, anybody, my friends, they always downplay what they did in the military, whether because they wanted to talk about it or don't want to talk about it, or they just feel like they didn't do enough. You... You maybe didn't realize that you did it right now, but you said, like, you know, I was just a mechanic and they're the recon Marines, and so we have respect for each other. But you got to realize right here, Worm and I we never were completely, served. never served, were completely ignorant of how that is, what happens over there. Like, we keep up with news. We, we're not right, right. fully aware that these lives are always in danger and people right. give up their lives for us for our freedom and we're very appreciative but cheers to them by the way cheers, cheers. cheers. all of them the service man god bless that unit everything yeah man so for us we're just citizens yeah you know so i'm saying like we're just here Brilliant. we're just here you guys are the ones that went and continue to go for us so never downplay that no, Never. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, man. So I like this is you like your story just opened up a whole different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I can't like I can't even like I've heard my grandpa's stories. I heard my dad's stories. Yeah. Every story I hear it always opens up like a, a different level of of uh, appreciation. It's yeah. so yeah. it's just nuts. Especially you, well, what you're like nineteen, twenty year old. Right. I was twenty. Doing 20 this. Times. Yeah, I don't even want to ask Worm what he was doing as a 19, 20 year old. It's always something disgusting. Yeah. So it, it's it's still taking years of life to reflect on it to actually like for even for it to me. Like you said, a lot of military guys are like, "Oh, it was nothing, whatever." Right? It's taking I was just, years. I was just doing what I had to do. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's taking times. years. It's it's been taking years to. All right, self-reflect, like, you know what? I did do that, you know. I did almost die or whatever, and that's why you see a lot of Marines or, or military, they start getting more proud about their service later in life, and I think that's because they realize what they did after the fact, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And they, they, they go back into society, and they're like, wait a minute. People are complaining about what? You know what I mean? <laughs> Americans are complaining about what? Uh, or when I, you know, when I was in the military, I, I had to do this or I had to, you know, do that. So then they start realizing, man, I, I didn't have to do that. That was all volunteer, you know what I mean? 
and you get more proud about your service or your experiences in life. And uh, that's why I feel like a lot of, for me, I'm speaking for myself, I'm more proud now than when I was actually in uh, the Marine Corps. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm a Marine. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I got a tattoo now. Uh, in the Marine Corps, I was like, oh, when I was in, I was like, oh, I'll never get a tattoo with the Marine. You know what I mean? Now I'm like, no, I'm proud of it. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's taking life experiences after the fact and, and meeting other veterans and meeting uh, civilians that are respect and uh, give us the support to realize, like, yeah, like, it actually is something. So I, I do appreciate that, uh, that you're saying that because uh, it, it, a lot of veterans don't feel that. They don't feel it right when they get out. So that's why a lot of veterans, they, they end up going in the wrong direction because they don't feel that support. They don't, they don't understand yeah. it. They're like, why did I do that? Why was I in? Like, it, people don't care. Or yeah, 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 and that's sad that they that they have to feel that because yeah. again, we live we live in the USA where it's it's great to live here. Like we have our problems, we're living through some problems, <laughs> um, but we're still very first fortunate. world problems. That's all we really yeah, have. We're, we're very we're very fortunate, and I think it fails. And this is just me talking my perspective. I think it fails, and the fact that. Even though we're appreciative, we don't express it as much. Like, okay, there's yeah, Veterans yeah. Day and there's Memorial Day, it's, but why can't I can think, just um, say it whenever just you see somebody in uniform like, hey, thank you. Whatever you you're doing, what makes, thank you. You know what makes it hard? I think I think the issue is and and coming from me as a veteran, we're still in Iraq. Uh, we're still in Afghanistan. Mm. So we're in a war that is happening and people are like Oh, you guys are ready. You've been there. You're still there. Like, it's not. They don't think of it as Vietnam or, or War One or War Two. It's still war, though. We, we still are losing servicemen. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's so. I think people are just uh, drowned out. Like it's just we've been there so long. It's not a new thing anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have people over there. Basically, that's basically the other way you see it. I mean, that's what I think. Uh, it's, yeah. it's happening. It's like, yeah, we've been there for 15 years in Afghanistan, like longer than war uh, or that we've been in. So it's always in the back of your mind that there's still your, well, your fellow Marine brother, well, other yeah. people serving, they're still there right now, right? Probably going through similar experiences while yeah. the rest of the so, population is so disconnected. Cause yeah, you're right. I guess we're just numb to it now. So the reason why I'm pointing out my shirt is, is a red. So you might, hear this or you might see you might see veterans wear red on Fridays if remember everybody deployed mm. uh, uh, that's some uh, some I wanted to wear red for that reason on Friday it's kind of put that out there and uh, because there are still people deployed uh, and there's still I never, people I never, I never knew that my like I yeah. said up red, yeah R-E-D yeah yep wow. mm. so hey, uh, I, learned, I learned a lot and uh, uh, and I ended up Thank God, I have ten toes, ten fingers. You know what I mean? I wasn't. Uh, I was. I had a TBI. I didn't know I had a TBI at the time, but uh, so a traumatic brain injury. Uh, but I didn't know I did. Um, I just kind of dealt with it. Um, and then I got PTSD from Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I didn't know I had PTSD. I, I just got. I like to drink a lot. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, I, I just got I was a Marine. <clears throat> so I went back to Okinawa after Iraq. And um, from Okinawa, they, they sent me to California. That was my next station. Okay. So my next station was uh, California. And I was now in a different unit, different structure, different style unit. Still a mechanic, but now I'm in a supportive role, like a logistics battalion. So it wasn't about war or like like the, the like the battalion I was in before, so um, so now uh, by this time though I was a corporal, so I was at NCO. I had some rank, I some I had some experience. Uh, so we were gearing up for Afghanistan at that point. So they said, "Hey Gonzo, you're you're EAS." So I was about to get out of the Marine Corps within like three or six months, and they said, "You know." You don't have to deploy because your end of contract is going to happen in the middle of deployment. So you are allowed to stay back 
and just ride out the rest of your uh, Marine Corps enlistment and then just get out of the Marine Corps. Or you can extend your, your military contract to go on to Afghanistan, and then when you get back from Afghanistan, you can get out of the Marine Corps. So they gave me the option. So at the time, I think I was, by this time I was 21, 22. And um, so I, I went to Iraq. I learned a lot. I I started seeing Marines. Now I was an NCO, so I was in charge of all the Marines now. So the Marines underneath, underneath me were 18, 19. Okay. The young Marine, you know what I mean? And they haven't gone anywhere. They don't know. They haven't seen nothing. They haven't gone anywhere. And I, I felt like obligated. I was like, why would I leave these guys that haven't gone anywhere without any guidance? And at least if I if I can contribute something, I can at least go with these guys and be like, hey, help train them or like whatever. I just felt like they're young. They're a little bit younger than me. Not that much younger than me, but I just felt like. It was my obligation. Like they're my Marines. I want to go with them. I want to make sure they're okay. And and I wasn't, I wasn't married. I was single. My family back home they supported me. They loved me. They knew what I was doing. So I didn't have anything tying me into not going. I was like, yeah, I'll go. Let's do it again. So um, I volunteered for Afghanistan. So I extended my contract and uh, we went to Afghanistan um, because of my history or because of my experience. With Iraq, they put me in a security company. So um, we were basically holding security for engineers. And the engineers in, in our Afghanistan, what they did is they improved the roads or they improved bridges out there. Uh, it, they basically start helping the community if, you know, if, if something happened or like an engagement happened and something got damaged, uh, we would fix the roads or ID blew up the road, we would help fix the road, we improve. Basically, we there to help improve the roads and the system and the infrastructure as much as we could to also help us complete our mission as well while we're there. So my job was to uh, hold security for those engineers. So when, when these guys are paving the roads, we're basically posting up, watching their backs. Wow. So uh, that's what we would do in Afghanistan. So um, we are, I was a vehicle commander, so I was the first vehicle and the first vehicle, and my job is to make sure that we're on route and that we're communicating our location with, you know, headquarters and all that. And uh, our vehicle got hit by IUD. We ran over this explosion, and uh, or we ran over the bomb, and it exploded under our truck. Oh, damn. And, but it didn't explode under the mine roller, so we were like, what was it? So... After every explosion, EOD comes out. They make sure there's no more around. Um, and they kind of investigate what it was so they can kind of learn from it. Well, when they were investigating it, it was um, a kite screen. Oh. So meaning somebody had to pull a kite screen to make it go off. So, um, and when I realized that, I remember when it first happened, I looked around. I made sure my guys were okay, and I looked. Around, I got out of my truck and I looked around and I saw three kids in the oh, distance, dang. and they were like, they were doing something like raveling up kite string or something. And I was like, at the time, I didn't connect it. You know, yeah, I, mean? yeah, like, yeah. I was scanning the area for anybody that was doing something wrong. Yeah, not kids. Yeah. 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 So then, that really made me understand war and yeah, the way. They were having kids do this, and, and the way they do it is that the bad guys, the Taliban, whatever, will either threaten their family or they'll pay them a lot of money. Hey, we'll give you a hundred bucks if you do this, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Or you guys are protected if you guys do this. Um, and and that's what it was. It was a kite stream. So they pulled man, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, cowards of them to to use kids, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so they, they messed they, up, they, and and I know a lot of. Uh, uh, people who serve and they do tours over there. I mean, sometimes they do have to confront the kids and yeah, you know, or women. It's hard, or, but they use they use kids and women to kind of disguise yeah. or whatever. But yeah, war is war. I mean, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're wearing a uniform and we're establishing ourselves. We're making it clear who we are, but they're hiding behind 
women and children and yeah, man. and behind acting like they're farmers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you said somebody's watching over you, you definitely had somebody watching yeah, for over. Yeah, sure. But with that said, this is the end of part one. We're gonna have Alberto Albert here with us for part two on Thursday. Uh, we talked about his military life. We're going to get more into his life, what he's doing now, uh, how he dealt with his mil- uh, life after military. What is he doing to be an entrepreneur in San Antonio? You know, the road is different, but it's still not easy. So come back part two Thursday. But with that said, Worm, what are you going to say? Show me your fake ID. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, God bless just God bless Albert, God bless the Marines, and God bless all people who serve. Cheers. 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 100%. Worm, that is the best thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> I think this is a, uh, a really good episode for uh, 2021. Yeah, 2021, so we're starting off on the right foot. Um, yeah. So with that said, there to be you, there to be weird, another podcast down the drain. Bye. Bye.